Welcome in everyone to episode 20 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I am Kenny Cochran. Ooh. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jake Hewell, with the Santa hat on day two. Let's go. Day two Ooh, in a row. Day two in a row, baby. We're rolling. Let's go. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and we got a little cold front coming in. One day cold front. It's going to be a warm weekend in Georgia, but tomorrow it's going to be freezing cold. I'm going to have the fireplace lit up because I am off, and I'm going to be at home, and I'm going to be prepping myself for conference championship weekend. Let's go. Let's go. We're pumped for it. Oh, man, if you are not in the YouTube live, guys, you've got to get in it. I know we say it every single time, but we just had electric conversation about the greatest movies of all time. Um, honorable mention, The Expendables, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, B-Movie was not mentioned, should have been in ah, there. Should have had the B-Movie. We are movie critics. Um, you can call us Rotten Tomatoes specialists, if you will. Some people would call us uh, Cisco and Ebert. Um, we are... Bonafide professionals. We've been called statisticians before. Uh, never movie critics, but add it to the uh, add, add it to the title, the many titles that Jake and I tout on here. Um, but Jake's primary title is the owner of an exquisite Christmas hat. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. I'll take it. But episode twenty-eight, man. Um, we are. We talked yesterday about the dogs and um, pretty much all the conference championships. We talked about the uh, college football playoff and kind of where we're standing right now. And uh, I know Jake and I both mentioned our predictions of what we think is going to happen. Um, and everything's dependent on this weekend, big weekend in college football. Um, we talked about so many games that have implications, uh, mainly in the uh, the USC and TCU matchups. And we kind of talked about what we, uh, how those teams stack up and how they – uh, matchup offensive defense wise and uh, purposely we left our sides we didn't want to lean too far one side we gave a little advantage here advantage there but we didn't want to dive too far into what we think is going to happen on a, an actual points basis and uh, that reason we were saving that is for today's episode because boys and girls we got some picks for you oh yeah we got some fun ones coming uh, but i believe we should start this thing off like we do every single time and talk about how we are stacking up lately. Um, very, very clutch into the week last week. Jake and I were on an absolute doo-doo streak last week on the betting side of things. We gave you an extra pick, and I'm glad we did because uh, the extra pick saved us. I believe we went 2-0 and on our Turkey Day bets. 2-0, and we did. So let's go. We got, we, got, we got all filled up on our Thanksgiving sides that we talked about and watched some good football, and it ended up making us some money. And we are very thankful because the show went 9-9 nine and nine last week. That is the worst week we've had so far. And uh, I think any time – I'll speak for myself here. I think any time that you can chalk up a week to the worst betting week you've had in recent memory and you still did not lose any money, that is a plus. Yes, big plus. So, um, but I'll tell you what it did give us is it gave us a lot of perspective. Uh, we got to see some more ball from a lot of teams, a lot of teams that we're going to see again this weekend playing, both college and NFL. And uh, it gives us a little bit more background on these guys headed into a very, very important weekend. Jake, what do you say? You got anything to add to this? What, this upcoming weekend or our betting? Uh, just upcoming weekend, what we're thinking before uh, before we dive into our bets. You got anything you want to cover before we talk about the numbers? The numbers. Um, really, it's just going to be a really fun weekend. And it's so hard to really dive into it too much because we did a lot of that yesterday, talking about all these games coming up. Oh, I'm so sorry. My phone is on sound right now. And the Hawks just beat the Orlando Magic. So, I mean, we're, we're breaking news live as we go. Um, <laughs> it is a 
very, very exciting weekend in the college football world. Anytime you run into conference championship weekend, things start getting really, really amped up, especially if your team has, you know, has playoff aspirations. Like, it seems like almost every, you know, all these games tomorrow have, you know, meaningful impacts. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me on that aspect. Just get ready. I said tomorrow. Um, we are only on Wednesday, guys. Uh, Saturday. <laughs> um, Get ready for some really meaningful, great football games on Saturday because we have a couple nail biters that are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, absolutely, man! These games are are going to be some bangers. Um, and I know it, we sound like a broken record because we talk about it. And I guess we don't sound like a broken record because we've only been doing the podcast for twenty eight episodes. But football fans say it every single year about how important conference championships are and how important this last week is. I mean, we're the this is the second to final. Uh, college football playoff ranking that we just saw. The next one will be the actual college football playoff. And um, every single year we talk about how important it is, how important these final games are to really see what a team's made out of. And the way it's shaking up really looks like we're kind of in a three-team race right now between TCU, USC, and Ohio State. So um, headed into this weekend, it really does feel that this year, among all years, is is super important because – We've had teams compete and been on the fringe every single year, but we've never really seen it from the Pac-12 like we have with USC. And we've never really seen it – we've seen it from the Big 12 with like Oklahoma, but we've never really seen it with a team like TCU. So, in my opinion, I, I think that's pretty exciting for a football fan to just see it shake up a little bit with some different teams in the mix. And um, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, we really have three fresh faces in this new uh, college football playoff format. I know Michigan also pushed their way in there last year, but even Michigan before that was, uh, you know, a new team to this. So, and I guess I could say Georgia, you know, outside of the, you know, past couple years, past five years or so, we were also not a team early on in the college football playoff world that was just dominating the world and making every year. So seeing this mix up, getting away from the Ohio State and Alabama teams that have consistently made it, you know, ever since the college football playoff got put together, um, is is a pretty nice thing to see. And then seeing a team like TCU, man, um, if you're just a college football fan in general, seeing a team like TCU get up there and make it and still have to play in a conference, uh, shout out Notre Dame, a team that has made it a couple times without playing in a conference, or one time, I believe, without playing in a conference. Um, it, it is nice to see um, a different team come out of that Big Ten, because like you said, or Big 12, I'm sorry. Like you said, um, Oklahoma's had that conference really since this thing's got going. Yeah, and I mean, you can attribute it to however you want to. You talk about the coaching changes, but man, I think Link, the exit of Lincoln Riley from the Big 12, from Oklahoma and into the Pac-12 with USC, um, I mean, this guy has proven himself to be a top-five coach in college football over the past few seasons, but I mean, what more can you, can you say about him now for him to completely flip the script switch conferences, switch teams, fly across the country, and take another team into playoff contention. I mean, this dude is an absolute stud. And, you know, a Pac-12 conference that is, you know, one of the tougher conferences in college football. I mean, they have a lot of notable teams out there with the Oregon, Oregon State, Utah. I mean, it only goes Washington. on to Washington. Like, there's a lot of really good teams. UCLA, there's a lot of really good teams to compete with over there in the Pac-12. So, you know, moving conferences, it definitely was a bold thing, and – you know, props to him for making it pay off because leave a school like Oklahoma with as much prestige as you had there. Um, perfect job. I know last year was a little bit of a down year for him, but they still, you know, finished the season with a really good year. Leave Oklahoma, and it seems like Oklahoma just falls off a cliff as soon as it happens. And USC jumps from a team that was like four and eight last year, I want to say, to a team that's now looking like a really, really promising team. You know, heading forward, going into the college football playoff. 
No, you're absolutely right. And and with all that being said, um, I will say the 99 week brings our uh, win loss record up to 57, 40, and one. So you're still riding with us at about 18 units up right now if you're following with the boys. Um, so let's keep this thing going, man. Let's work on that record, get it up a little bit more. But 18 units up this far into the season, you can't really complain about it. I'd like to see us uh, pull away a little bit. Um, when you get into tight, tighter games like this, uh, you know, better opponents playing each other towards the end of the year. Um, there, there's two things you look at. Number one, the the picking, you got to think about it a little bit more and be a little bit more adamant about where you're picking and where you're looking because it is – you know, better football. But another thing too is these lines get a little bit shorter. Um, and that's a good thing for, for betters out there, because if you see a, a line that you see, you know, not saying that I, that, you know, me specifically, but you know, if you really like this TCU team and you think they are third best team in the country, you think they should make a push and you get a two and a half line against Kansas state, the team that they beat by, I believe 10 earlier on in the season. Um, you might want to take it, or even USC at two and a half. I know uh, a lot of people are on that one right now. I think the bets are really heavily on USC there. So, um, you know, you 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 take what you get, but there's there's positives and negatives to to everything, especially when you get into better football games. Yeah, and uh, it, it's funny you say that because the two teams that I mentioned yesterday that I'm not too confident in is both TCU and USC. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not too confident in, in the aspect of winning a football game. Um, it's just their matchups are significantly closer than what we see with, you know, Georgia and LSU and Michigan and Purdue. Um, Clemson, North Carolina is going to be fun, but it's not really a game that means too much in the whole grand scheme of things. Um, but so, yeah, things things can get a lot better if you're real confident in these teams or and like and for me, in my aspect of things, it, it could get really, really tough because then you see these really, really big point spreads with teams like Michigan and, you know, Georgia, and they're still playing, you know, somewhat competent opponents with Purdue and LSU like both those teams can come out there and play football and then the games you're not too sure about are close lines you're like man I don't know which way to go because the two and a half number does look really good but then again it's like Kansas State can win that football game like I, I there's no doubt in my mind George is going to beat LSU the only thing is is that that number that we talked about with 16 and a half 17 and a half whatever it's at right now um that that's where that question is and you know with USC and TCU those questions are kind of can these teams actually win the football game first and then worry about covering yeah exactly man it's uh there's there's like i just said there's positives and negatives to everything but if you're high on these two teams and you really do think that 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 they're you know worthy of the college football playoff and worthy of the third and fourth ranking in the nation then uh you know a shorter line like a two and a half uh, point spread might be something you want to be on so um you know there's there's good things about it too but uh all right, I guess let's let's not waste any more time, man. We're we're about ten minutes into this thing. That was a good little primer. Let's dive into our bets. Let's do it, man. Uh, you want to kick us off, or you want me to lead us off? Um, why don't I kick us off? Because I will say that you know we're following the same format. Our our favorites, our underdogs, our overs, and our unders. Um, and my favorite for college is not one of these high tier games that we've been talking about but it is one that i saw and i was just like man i would just be there's no way i'm gonna look at this game and not take it um and that is my favorite of the week i'm taking jackson state minus 17 and a half against southern um i'm taking this for one reason one reason only these two teams faced on halloween weekend october 29th and jackson state beat these boys 35 to zero um and that Southern coach came in there after the game talking about how Dion's not a real coach. Dion doesn't honor uh, doesn't honor these uh, you know 
HBCUs the way he should. He's 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 doing things differently. He's running up scores on people. He's throwing the ball late in the games. And, and if you know anything about Deion Sanders, that this dude has got an attitude. He is gritty. He is going to go out there and showboat. That's why he is Coach Prime, Prime Time. And if I know anything about Deion Sanders, it's that if they beat him 35, if they hung 35 on these boys in the first game, and that coach came out there and said that, he's going to be looking for a 50-burger the second time around. Yeah, I agree for sure, man. That's actually when I I took a peek at, too. Um, I did stay away from it for official pick-wise. But, uh, yeah, that is when I'm definitely looking at. 17 has way too close. Jackson State's so dominant, man. They, they, Dion already said what his plan is there. They, you know, they want to start scheduling tougher, tougher, tougher competition. Try to move up, move up in the college football world, and uh, and they continue what they're doing right now. There'll be no other option but to do that because the guys he's bringing in, uh, just talent wise, outmatch anybody else they're going to be playing, and it's going to be the same thing with Southern this weekend. You are absolutely right. So my favorite, Kenny. And I'm going to go more mainstream. I try to stay more on the on the main side of things to keep it a little bit more interesting. And looking at all the Power <laughs> 5 teams, and, uh, you know, I also kept Tulane and UCF in there because that's also a ranked matchup we have. Um, my favorite I picked was Michigan minus 16.5 versus Purdue. Um, and the main reason behind that is I just don't think this Purdue team is very good. This is a team that, you know, had – they – if Iowa had that same spread against Purdue, they would have covered um, – they had a 19-point loss to Iowa just four weeks ago. Um, also got beat by 11 against Wisconsin. They are on a three-game win streak, including a win against the, you know, at the time, the 21st-ranked uh, Illinois. But uh, we, we kind of know what happened with Illinois. They're not really as, as top-tier as what a lot of people think. And you look at this matchup, 16.5 um, to me is a key number. I like to get the 16.5. feels a lot better than a 17.5. And, um, and, man, both sides of the ball, it's just – Michigan all the way. Um, I don't think this game is going to be very close at all. We talked about it yesterday. And I think this, I mean, 16 and a half, I know it, it's tough to get the number really, really high because Purdue is still a decent football team. Don't get me wrong. They're not a terrible football team. But Michigan is a very, very good football team. So I, I think the 16 and a half, I'm going to roll with that. I like this team a lot, or this pick a lot. This Michigan team, man, they're putting up 40 points a game, giving up under 13 points a game. The defense is outstanding. The offense has been really, really good. Um, you talk about a defense last year that a lot of people were high on. The guys like David Ajabo and um, and Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, are both generational talents um, on that defense. And you lose guys like that and bring back a defense that's playing as good as they are, that's a testament to, to Harbaugh, a testament to that entire coaching staff, man, to be able to retool the defense and come out there and play. And uh, we talked about him last, last episode, but J.J. McCarthy, this dude's really come into himself. Um, he's not a guy that's going to wow you on the stat sheet or on the box score, but um, he just goes out there and gets it done. He's super efficient, done for 17 touchdowns and two interceptions on the season. He can run the ball a little bit, and then obviously you talk about a Heisman candidate and, and uh, Blake Corum and even the the other guys that they got running the ball. I mean, they, they can attack you so many different ways, and I just don't see a reason to think that Purdue is going to put up a fight. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy, this is a perfect game for him going against uh, you know a team that is, is definitely on the lesser side. Um, your run game is going to be your primary thing with Michigan like it always is. And then J.J. McCarthy's a guy kind of like a Jake Fromm-esque guy we saw at Georgia that is just going to make enough plays to get by. Um, he is not the most dynamic guy on the field, but he does not make many mistakes. He's not going to lose you very many ball games. He is the perfect guy for, you know, facing a team like this where he's going to keep, you know, keep that lead nice and steady and keep on racking up points. Nope, nope, I agree. All right, Jake, who's your underdog for the week? Okay, so... 
underdogs lord this was tough if you're looking at these mainstream games because i do not love any of these underdogs but i will say the one i love the most is north carolina plus seven and a half um reasoning behind this is i don't really know how good of a football team clemson is we just saw south carolina come in last week and end their 100,852 game win streak at home that Clemson had rolling. It was like 100. It was actually, it was like 40-something games, I want to say. That Clemson won at home consecutively, and South Carolina just ended that. Um, and it's so tough to say that, too, because on the other other side of things, North Carolina has been playing pretty bad ball recently themselves. So it is definitely a, a tough thing to look at. But just seeing this aspect, um, what what is uh North Carolina's coach's name? Paul Brown? I think so. Um, older fella, been in North Carolina forever. Matt Brown. Matt Brown, I'm sorry. Uh, Paul Brown's old football coach that was a Cleveland Browns coach, apparently. Um, <laughs> Matt Brown, that's it. My, my, my apologies on that, guys. But, uh, seeing Matt Brown get into one of these, you know, higher-end games in North Carolina is really, really good to see. Um, and I do think they're going to come out firing. We talk about a quarterback, uh, as dead, as dynamic as, um, Man, my brain is just tripping right now as as, as uh, Drake May. And uh, if Spencer Rattler can do it against this Clemson defense, I think Drake May can as well. So we'll see how it rolls. Yeah, I'm with you. UNC is my underdog of the week too. Dude, these underdogs I, were tough. They were tough, man. These lines got tight. And I'm not taking LSU. Yeah, forget about that. So uh, for sure, I hopped on the UNC train. I think seven and a half is a great number. Obviously, you get them over a touchdown. <laughs> um, underdog, you want to take it. I mentioned in the last episode that uh, everyone wants to talk about Clemson's defense, and I know they do have a very good defense, but what they're very, very elite at is stopping the run, and this North Carolina team does not run the football. So um, I, I wanted to take a little bit more of a deep dive, and I gave Jake a little bit of teaser before we hopped on the air here. I didn't tell him the number. I said I wanted to wait. Um, North Carolina, we talk about Drake May. Obviously, this dude should be a Heisman candidate. Um, he's an absolute stud. You talk about a guy that could go second behind Caleb Williams next year, not just in the quarterback rankings, but overall rankings in the draft. I mean, this guy is a generational talent. Um, Clemson's defense is the 74th ranked pass defense in the country, matching up against North Carolina's seventh ranked passing offense. I think that is going to be the biggest factor in this football game because, like you just mentioned with Spencer Rattler, he went for 360 and two or three tuds last week. Um, uh, Drake May is a better quarterback than Spencer Rattler, and I believe um, in my heart that this North Carolina offense is a better offense than South Carolina. Um, so if they can do it against Clemson, I see no reason to believe that North Carolina cannot. No, I agree. I agree 100% on that. I Put the words right on my mouth, Mr. Kenny. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and hop over to my over of the week. Um, I think biggest point total of the week, or one of the biggest point totals of the week, I think it is the biggest in Power 5 play. Um, and I'm on it. I'm taking the over 67.5 in the Utah-USC game. Um, I tell you what, when, when you talk about 67.5 and, and, and the points that you need to get there, you're looking at 34 points scored between both teams. Um, and I think that is extremely likely in this football game. You talk about the last time these teams faced, um, the point total was 85 in a 43-42 uh, final score where Utah pulled it out right at the last second. Um, man, USC, top five passing offense in the country against a 45th-ranked Utah pass defense. 
And then you talk about Utah on the offensive side of the ball. It's a top 10 rushing offense in the country against a 52nd ranked USC rushing defense. Um, it's just a bad matchup for both teams. They stack up very, very well um, in favor of the offenses. And I think this game is is a bona fide uh, point scorer. So I know 67 and a half is a lot of points, but hey, it went over by, you know, dang near 20 in the last matchup. I think it's going to happen again. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that because I look at my notes I have right here and I had a feeling you were going to take this. So I actually wrote down two and I will take the other one as my official pick. I had Utah versus USC over 67 and a half. And I have a little slash right there, and I have slash Kansas State versus TCU over 61.5. So that's going to be the one I roll with. We look at their last game, they played 38-28 to 28 score. But this Kansas State offense has been on a heater recently, scoring 40-plus in three of their last five, I want to say. Uh, one of those games that they didn't score 40-plus, I think they scored 38. So um, this team is on fire on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they have not played, you know, the greatest competition. They, you know, they played Baylor. Um, actually, they scored thirty plus. My apologies, I'm wrong on this. Thirty plus, and good gracious, almost every single game this year. TCU is a team that does run out a pretty solid defense in that Big Twelve. They're not, they're not bad at all. In Kansas State, you know, they they play a pretty solid defense themselves. But uh, yeah, man, this game to me just seems like it's gonna be a burner. I don't, I don't see this being a very like a defensive matchup one bit. Um, Max Duggan, we talk about him. He's He's another guy that has really, you know, climbed up that college football quarterback ladder. And uh, something with Kansas State, man, they just managed to score a lot of points. You know, they run the ball, you know, all over almost everybody they play. Um, I know Adrian Martinez is not really a, a super great quarterback, but he has shown the ability to be able to be dynamic a little bit through the air and on the ground. So I, I expect this point total to definitely go over that number. No, I like that a lot. You look at how the offenses stack up, man. Uh, for TCU, they're putting up over 41 points a game, and Kansas State's putting up over 33 points a game. Um, so if you're going off that alone, that that should surely cover that for you. So um, I like it. I do. Um, that was probably my number two pick as well. So uh, we're kind of like-minded in that thought. Um, and I just went with USC because of uh, what, what, what was a gut feeling there. Um, so who is your under of the week? Under of the week. So this is when I kind of jumped around a little bit on. But I think at the end of the day, I have to go under 50 and a half with Georgia LSU. Um, I, I, I sat there and I contemplated taking the Clemson North Carolina because I have a really, really good feeling this is probably also going to be your under right here with the Georgia LSU game. Um, and the main reason behind that is, is I don't love any of these under totals besides this Georgia LSU game. Like I can easily see all these games going over. I think that this Georgia and LSU game has the biggest likelihood among the big games we're watching this weekend to go under um 50 and a half is a lot of points and we look at what lsu could do on offense man i don't see it being much um georgia has shown you know in the past couple weeks that we like to you know let kind of kind of not keep teams in there but you know also not just stomp our stomp our foot into their head and push them in the ground and i, I know it might not be like that this weekend but it also might be like that this weekend like if we're up by 10 on lsu and we keep on forcing three and outs. I would not expect that Georgia offense to try to do something that is very, um, you know, is very risky. I expect him to play nice conservative ball and kind of keep it set. So we've seen it with Kirby in the past plenty of times. It's kind of changed a little bit in the past couple of years. We're kind of back at that point right now where we're playing conservative ball. We're, we're getting up on teams and we're kind of holding that lead and, you know, pushing it all the way to the end. So I think we could see a football game like that this weekend. No, you're absolutely right. This is my under of the week, too. I'm taking the under 50 and a half. Uh, same reasons you just mentioned. One thing that I pinpointed here that I thought was a really key point is LSU 
runs the ball the 19th most in the country, and they're 37th in rushing offense in the entire country. So this is a team that relies so heavily on the run game, and specifically, they rely so heavily on Jaden Daniels' ability to run the football. Um, we talk about Jaden Daniels. We talked about him in the last episode a little bit. Guy got banged up in that A&M game, um, came out, out, out there towards the end. He is going to play in this football game. Um, and he's a great player. He really is. He's dynamic. He can kill you on the ground. But, man, you said it last uh, uh, yesterday, last night, when we talked about it. I can't remember the last time I've seen a Georgia defense get torched by a quarterback on the ground, and I just don't see it happening against a Jaden Daniels that, you know, regardless of his injury status of actually playing the game, he's a little bit banged up. He's coming in here. He's going to be thinking about it, and this Georgia defense can absolutely kill you on the rushing side of things, because they are number one in the nation in rushing defense among Power 5 schools, number two in the nation overall, right behind James Madison. So, um, yeah, good luck, LSU, moving the football. We know they struggle a little bit to move it through the air. Jane Daniels is a pretty efficient passer, but they just don't demand a lot from them through the air, and I think they're probably going to have to in this football game, and I just don't see it fair and well for them. Yeah, um, another little note right here, and this this is something that I'm probably also gonna be on. Um, LSU's team total set at fifteen and a half. I would probably roll the under on that. I don't see LSU being able to do very much on offense at all in this football game, especially seeing what Texas A&M was able to do to them last week, kind of shut them down the offensive side of things. Expect something worse this week because you're playing a significantly better defense. So uh, I I also like that number a lot. I love it. 38 to 7, my final score prediction. 38 to 7. Hey, we covered that under, baby. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Go, golf. I mean, could you see, like, honestly, I would not be surprised at all to see Georgia put up 24 points in this game and still win it in dominant fashion. Yeah, 24 points and, and absolutely dominate the time of possession. 24 to 10, people are going to say, oh, LSU, they kind of let them back in the door. No, guys, that's not what happened. Like, it's. People, some people just see the box score at the end of the day and never even tuned into the game and just say, oh, Georgia, really not that good of a football team. <laughs> yeah, man, there's such a stigma about this Georgia team and people saying that we just don't blow people out like some other teams do. But the fact of the matter is we just don't need to. Um, this defense is generational. For the past two years, this has been one of the best defenses in college football history. Um, certainly one of the best in college football at the time. Uh, for both years, we we lose so many guys, and we're able to come back in there with guys like Muschamp and Kirby, just absolutely retooling this team and bringing the guys in. And and you you know Alabama is always about the next man up mentality, whatever. Until Jameis Williams go down goes down in the natty, and Najee Harris wants to say that it's a a weak natty because they were injured. Well, what happened to next man up? Well, I'll tell you what happened to next man up. It moved on down to Athens, and the Dogs have taken the mantle in the SEC and taken the mantle in the depth game. And this team can trot whoever they want to out there, and they're going to play elite football. Yeah, um, and, you know, people point at the Kentucky game. Kentucky's only lost to one team by more than two possessions, and that team was Tennessee, and I think we kind of proved our point in that aspect of things. So, guys, get your head down your butts, and and let's pay some attention to these these dogs because they they might not they might not light the world on fire this weekend. I'll go ahead and say it, but they are going to win that game. And the whole time there, they they are going to be knowing that they are going to win the game. There's not going to be a question in their minds. Kirby is not going to be on the sidelines stressing like, oh man, we're only up by three. Like no, because we know if we have to drive down that field and have an 80 yard scoring drive, we can. Like, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. There's no reason to believe otherwise. 
All right, so that gets us to our our under pick. Or no, that was the under pick right there. Okay. That was yeah. That that wraps up the college side of things. Kind of flew through it right there. Um, is there, is there anything else you really see, Kenny, that you're that you're looking? At? I know we talked about the TCU, Kansas State, uh, USC, and Utah overs. You know, being something that we both like. Um, is there anything else out there that you see? Um, in this aspect. Yeah, man, there's just not too much football going on this week. Um, it's it's conference slim. Yeah, conference championship ball, things really shorten up uh, quite a bit. Um, you get that USC game Friday night, which is exciting to kind of kick things off. Um, and a couple other games Friday as well, a couple smaller games, getting North Texas, UTSA as well. Um, but uh, if, if I'm going to take a peek at anything, I'm probably going to dive down there and take a look at that UCF two-lane matchup. Um, you mentioned it with two ranked teams. I think it's a it, it's a really good matchup between these two teams. Um, Tulane, we, we talk about them with Willie Fritz. He was in talks to become Georgia Tech's new head coach. Um, and Tulane's been playing really, really good football this season. And I know UCF, we talk about them being so dependent on John Reese Plumley. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, I see UCF here at the plus three and a half, and, and I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, man, this game. Another one that's going to be a complete, like, barn burner, man. Like, this is going to be a really, really fun game to keep your eyes on. It's going to be something I'm going to have some money involved in. Just to kind of give me a little bit more of a dog somewhere in in the fight. Just to make me a little bit more intrigued into the game. Um, I don't know if you're going to need much help with that. Just because of how entertaining it's going to be. But there's nothing better than watching an entertaining football game. And also having money on the line somewhere in the game. So, um, yeah. I, I, I also probably would roll with UCF. Um, minus plus three and a half. Um, I would also be interested in seeing an over hit in this game at, at 56 and a half. Um, another game that I think these two teams might just go back and forth trading shots at each other. Yeah, and I will say to you, look at where the juice is right now. Um, it looks like this line is probably going to move down to three, a little bit closer to game time. So if you're you're looking at getting in there ahead of the curve, hop in there when you get at three and a half. Um, obviously, you get three and a hook. It, it gives you a lot better look at, um, at at a potential line hitting here than the three does. Um, I'll tell you another game I'm also pretty interested in this. Uh, this North Texas UTSA game, and now we're getting a little bit off the rails right here mentioning this game. Um, eight and a half points is not enough in my opinion. Um, UTSA no. is a significantly better football team than North Texas. There's no question about it. Um, I, I think the eight and a half. Wait, is it eight and a half on fan? I'm sorry, I kind of went a little bit off the rails right there. I was not on Fanduel no more. It is. It, it is eight and a half. Okay, I, I rolled over to ESPN side of things to get some numbers. But yeah, man. Uh. UTSA is just a significantly better team. Um, they have the better offense. They have the better defense. Neither of these teams play defense, if you wanted to know. But, um, yeah, and they've also, you know, common opponent, UAB. Um, UTSA beat them 44-38. Um, and North Texas lost to them 41-21. So, all within the last five weeks. So, I, I definitely like UTSA in this game. Yeah, this is another one. I'll take a peek at the over in as well. Um, you get the over right here at 69 and a half, which is a ton of points, I know. But uh, both of these teams love to air the football out. They don't have much of a run game between the two teams. And both quarterbacks have thrown for over 3,000 yards so far this season. Um, 31 touchdowns for North Texas, 27 for UTSA. These teams love to sling the ball. And both teams putting up, you know, real close to 500 yards total offensive game and scoring. Yeah. Um, 38 points a game for UTSA and 35 points a game for North Texas. These teams love to score points, and uh, you're right. They don't play a lick of defense. So I know it's a high point total, but when you get into a game like this where you're not talking about Power 5 teams, um, this is this is one of those games where you see it. It's like 48 to 52 final score. Mm-hmm. 
So, no, I, I like that a lot, Jake. And um, I, I'm definitely going to take a peek there. See if that line moves a little bit. Maybe we can get it a little bit closer to the uh, to the seven and a half mark. I don't know if it will. Um, but obviously, if we can get that thing down a little bit, that would be very, very nice. Yeah, uh, I have one more thing, one more game that I see that I'm going to mention. Um, and this might be a little bit of recency bias because this team just lost me money last weekend. And I'm going to go with Troy um, minus eight and a half against Coastal Carolina. Um, Coastal looked awful last weekend against James Madison. Got the doors blown off of him, 47-7 loss. Um, I want to say the spread was actually, what was it? I think it, it looked crazy. I was like, man, you're going to give me Coastal Carolina with that number? I don't know what it was exactly. And I put my money there, and yeah, I was wrong. I think it was like 14, 14 and a half or something. Um, I was completely wrong on that one. Um, and Troy's played really, really good ball this year. Um, we look at it, Coastal definitely has the advantage on the offensive side, but Coastal does not play any defense, and Troy does play a defense. Um, in the Sunbelt Conference, Troy's probably the best defense out there, or probably one of the best for sure. Um, and I just think this Troy team's significantly better than Coastal. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at different things too. Um, a, a little prayer, a player prop interest that I'm seeing right here. You can get Stetson Bennett over 12 and a half rushing yards for just about even odds. Yeah, anytime with Stetson, man, he, you you like to see his rushing totals, man. I, I love betting rushing totals with Stet because he does tend to have a couple little breakthrough runs at some points of the game. He's definitely not a you know a pure running quarterback, but if if pressure does get to him, he has the ability to get out the pocket and definitely scramble for at least 12 yards because when he gets it over the field Stetson can move yeah a little nice nice line right here on FanDuel you can get Stetson Bennett alt rushing yards 25 plus at plus 280 Ooh, now we're getting frisky I'm, about to say, I'm definitely gonna take a peek at that yes sir love it oh they, yeah they have some pretty crispy ones going on I, I could go into all these damn player props with Georgia just looking at them Is that it for our college? Is that is that everything you would like to talk about, Kitty? Do you have anything else? Sid, I was just looking at some player props, but man, that that really covers it for me. All right, cool. Should we move to the to move to the men's league? Let's move on to the men's league. The least All exciting right. part of the weekend. It is it is the least exciting part, but we can't forget about it, man. Still a lot of football to play in the NFL. Um, yeah. We're not we're not quite at the same point that we are in college football, but we are getting to the point where uh, you see some playoff. Um, rankings shape up a little bit, and uh, some pretty exciting football in the league. So uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you kick it off for us, Jake? All right, so my favorite of the week, there's a couple favorites I liked out there. But uh, at the end of the day, I went with Buffalo minus four going to New England. Um, and I didn't look at the numbers. I didn't do a breakdown. Buffalo has been, you know, on a little bit of a struggle bus recently. They've, they've won some close games. They've lost some pretty tough ones. But Buffalo is still the you know the more dynamic team on the offensive side of the ball for sure. Um, you know I think the second second best offense in the NFL, and this New England team, man, they are what they are. You watch New England play; they're not the most exciting team in football. This is a Thursday night matchup, which is going to be an exciting thing to see. And you know Buffalo is on track to have a get right game at some point. They're a better football team than what we've seen these past couple weeks. And a Thursday night game going to New England just seems like prime time advantage to take you know to get right and. Prove that you are, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL. Because just a couple weeks ago, we were saying that Buffalo is probably the best team. And then, you know, four or five weeks later, we're, you know, everybody's kind of trying to hop off that train. And I think that's, I think this spread is drastically showing that because I think they're reaching a little bit, only making this a four point spread. Yeah, I agree. That's not enough points. Definitely not. This has to be the, 
lock of the lock of the week for me. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I was between this one and another, and I ended up going with the other one. And I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings minus three at home against the New York Jets. Uh, Mike White, second start of the season. I'm expecting. I'm I'm assuming that this guy is the starter right now because of how he performed last week. Um, but don't get anything twisted here, boys and girls. The New York Jets are not a good football team. I know the record looks a lot better than a lot of people expected, and, and, and you know, props to them. You know, you talk about what this team has been able to do. They brought in some guys. They've been killing it the past few draft classes. Um, the, the guys they brought in have been amazing contributors for this football team, and they are really – they're on the uptrend. They're turning things around. They're, they're kind of stuck in a, in a crazy division right now with the Patriots, uh, Dolphins, and, and Bills. I mean, this division is loaded, so I know they got a uphill battle ahead of them, but I just don't see any reason to believe that they're going to cover the three against the Vikings. I expect the Vikings to win and cover in this one. I think the Vikings are, um, you know, top three, top four team in the NFL. Um, they're they're absolutely buzzing right now, and uh, yeah, minus three with the Vikings, I'll take that every single day. Yeah, I like it too. Um, we talked about it with Mike Wright earlier before we started the show, saying that you know it has to end. Mike Wright's not that guy. Like, I'm I'm sorry to break it, to everybody. Mike Wright is not him. Um, I don't he think not. I don't think the Jets have a him in that quarterback room. Um, and this seems like the game that he's going to come back down to earth. And you mentioned it with, with Minnesota, man. Minnesota is is a really, really, really good football team. Um, I think my most notable thing I'm going to be excited about this football team is a matchup between Sauce Gardner and Justin Jefferson because those are two guys that you can make an argument are the best at their positions. And Sauce has locked up everybody's face this year, but J.J. is different. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> J.J. is different. <laughs> no, you are absolutely right. And we saw Mike White last year. Came out and threw an absolute clinic against the Bengals and then just did not do anything in the rest of his appearances throughout the entire year. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm thinking we're going to see something similar happen right here. I have a question for you, Kenny, and this is going to go off the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. Two people on a football field, right? DB, wide receiver. Who do you think would be the toughest wide receiver to cover one-on-one? In the NFL? In the NFL. Um, There's a lot of good receivers in the NFL right now. A whole lot of good wide receivers in the NFL. There's, there 20, there's 20 top five guys. If you were to read our group chat. There, there really is. <laughs> um, oof. It's tough. I think uh, for me, it's between two guys, in my opinion. Um. And I think for me, it's Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. Um, Cooper Cooper Cup is just a guy that has an absolute knack for getting open. Um, He's uh, probably runs the best routes in the NFL. Um, And then a guy like Devontae Adams, who is freakishly fast, has some of the best hands in the league. He's big. He's, uh, you know, I believe 6'1, 6'2, 220. Um, He runs crispy routes. He does everything that you could possibly want from a wide receiver. If I'm a DB and I'm matching up against either one of these guys, I think that, that those are probably the two guys I would be the most nervous to face up against. Um, but there's so many guys. You talk about Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Blazing Speed. Uh, there's so many guys that you could throw in the conversation here. But I think what is so much so different about Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup is that they just do everything well. 
Um, not to say that those other guys don't, but I, I think it's just there's levels to this thing, man. There really is. And guys like Devontae Adams that have been around for a long time and have just consistently done what they've been able to do, we just saw, you know, you could make the argument that Pat Sertain is one of the best corners in the NFL. You can make an argument that he was the best corner in the NFL, that he is the best corner in the NFL, and Devontae Adams came out there and absolutely ripped him a new one last week. So um, it, I'd probably say Devontae Adams. Okay, I I, res- I respect it. Um, the, and the thing is with this with this question right here is there's there's no wrong answer at all. Like it, you can't go wrong here because I guarantee you match up any of the top ten wide receivers in the NFL against any single cornerback. You'd be the best cornerback in football one on one on a football field, no help. They're probably going to work the corner. That's just how football goes. A wide receiver has the advantage at, at all times. They know what routes they're going to run, where corners are kind of guessing. Um, but man, you look at JJ's numbers, man. It's absolutely insane. A fourteen hundred yard season his rookie year, over sixteen hundred yard season his second year, and well on his way to another insane season with twelve hundred yards already through eleven games. Um, good gracious, man! This guy just puts up numbers. Um, he's, he's ridiculous. And I, I'm happy you mentioned Stephon Diggs, man, because I feel like Stephon Diggs is definitely a guy I would look at as being a guy that you would match up nightmare. A guy that can run any single route on the route tree. Another guy has a net for getting open, but, you know, he's also a sleeper. But to me, man, JJ and Devontae are guys that, like you said, can do everything on a football field at the wide receiver spot. They can go up and catch a ball over you. They can work you on a route. Um, And Stephon and Cooper are the same way in that aspect. Just just. Stephon and Cooper do it a little bit differently in my eyes. Um, they're definitely guys that seem like they are more open majority of the time whenever they are getting balls thrown to them, and that's due to their great route running. Where JJ and Devontae, man, it doesn't matter how blanketed you are on them. Um, watch out. And uh, I'm going to give a little shout-out to my boy D-Hop here, too. Um, I know everybody's kind of fallen off his train this year. He's been a little bit quiet. had the steroid issue, and then, you know, he's, he's played these past couple weeks, but Arizona really hasn't been getting as much spotlight. But D-Hop's still a guy, man, like – we talk about a big physical guy that can go up and catch the ball and still move around and run. Um, that's D Hop. D Hop is is still insane. I was thinking about Mike Evans too a little bit, but then Mike Evans. I'm not saying he's a, he's a one one trick pony, but um, him and him and Tyree Kill to me would be guys I would be a little bit more willing to probably try just because the aspect you have a little bit more of an idea of what they're going to try to do against you. Mike Evans is probably going to try to body you, and Tyree's going to try to run past you. So. Where guys, like you mentioned, the guys that we talked about, man, uh, they can do everything. They can run past you or they can break you on a route. No, you're right. Yeah, the, the, there's not a wrong answer when it comes to this no. stuff. Uh, there's really not. And it, there's, some, there's so much talent in the NFL. These are the greatest athletes in the world. So these guys can just kill you in so many different ways. that it, It's hard to predict. And you talk about defensive back, aside from quarterback, it's probably the hardest position in all sports to play. Yeah, it has to be. Um, you can't touch, uh, and no. it, you can't really touch at all, or that you're gonna get flagged for it. Um, and man, it it just seems like you don't really see too many prime opportunities, like one on one balls downfield, just working one on one the whole game, because there's always so much help somewhere. Like you're gonna have safeties back to help to help break up passes. Really, the only time you see like super one-on-one plays is like curl routes. You'll see, you know, got through a curl route, and you kind of see the corner break down and see if he can make a play or not. Um, but yeah, man, I I just I thought about that whenever you mentioned some of those guys you were talking about. We talked about JJ and uh, Sauce Gardner's matchup coming up this weekend. 
Oh, but yeah, yes, you talking about you talking about Devontae working Patrick Sertain twice in a season. That is very impressive because Patrick Sertain is a top three cornerback in football. So, and has he done yeah, it dude. twice? <laughs> Devontae Adams is nuts. He's he's so good. Um, all right, I'm I'm gonna hop into my underdog because I'm really excited about this one. It's a bet that I took immediately as soon as I saw it, and I'm taking the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half, um, in Santa Clara against the Niners, um. I know the 49ers have been playing really, really good lately, but the Dolphins have too. I mean, the Dolphins are 5-0 in their last five. They're putting up, you know, they put up, the, the lowest point total they put up is 16 against the Steelers. And after that, they put up 31, 35, 39, and 30. And I know the 49ers play really, really good defense. They, they're giving up just under 16 points a game where the Dolphins are giving up 23. But if there's one thing we know from this Dolphins offense is that they can kill you through the air. They can do... Whatever they want to through the air, they can throw it to Jalen Waddle. They can throw it to Mike Gesicki. They can throw it to to Tyree Kill, obviously, and they can throw it out of the backfield. They can do whatever they want to. They bring in a guy like Jeff Wilson, who is a, a, a stud player. Um, you got guys like Raheem Mostert out there, Miles Gaskin. Uh, this team can just kill you so many different ways, and I think they're just going to overpower this Niners team. And it, it, what it's going to come down to for me is uh, this 49ers team just doesn't put up that many points. Um, their past five games, they put up 23. 31, 22, 38 against the Cardinals, who are the worst defense in the NFL, and then 13 against the Saints last week. Like, they've been getting by games with just giving up fewer points, and the Dolphins are torching teams. So, yeah, you give me the three and a half with the Dolphins, I'm taking that 100%. Yeah, um, I, I like that a lot. I think this game, you know, really comes with what's ever happening up front between the front seven against that offensive line of the uh, Miami Dolphins. Um. Miami has been very, very good at protecting two of this year. They're top 15 in sacks allowed, so they're in the top half of the NFL. But San Francisco is top five in sacks. So I think that that's kind of a key thing right there. This Niners defense is a defense year in, year out that, you know, you always kind of worry about. Um, but, yeah, man, that, that's a really good matchup. Props to Mike McDaniel. Give him a little shout-out on the show, man, for unlocking Tua. There's been so much videos and stuff going around Twitter recently just showing how good of a relationship him and Tua have. And people, it's so crazy to see how humane these guys are because I feel like you watch them on TV, you just think they're superheroes. But, you know, these guys are real people and they have real-world problems. And, you know, Tua was going through some issues where he didn't have the most confidence in himself. And Mike McDaniels came in and completely, like, flipped the script on it. Like, he changed Tua for the better. And now Tua looks like a top-10 quarterback in the NFL after being a guy that we didn't know was going to have a starting job for much longer. So, you know, really, really props to that coaching staff they brought in there because that might be the best, like, team chemistry coaching staff you could ask for in the league. Yeah, dude, everyone was right about Mike McDaniel. This dude is a stud. He is one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he is well-deserving of a head coaching job down there in Miami. Perfect fit for him. I know you saw the video of him holding the clipboard over his face, saying through the head he had the headset on talking to Tua, but he was acting like Tua couldn't hear him. He was like, yeah, Georgia's definitely the best team in the SEC. I'm happy Tua yeah. can't hear me right now. Yeah, yeah dude. dude is awesome. He's a troll. He's a bon he's he's so funny without even trying and he's a, literally a genius. Well, he's a, he's 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 a difference thing. And this this is what we've seen with a lot of these teams, man. We for a long time we saw a lot of these old old head, you know, football minds, guys that have been in the, you know, been around football for 40 years getting these head coaching jobs. And you know the we saw Sean McVay, um we saw, you know, Cal Shanahan. We saw so many of these young coaches start to get these jobs and these teams start to improve a lot after making those moves. It's an, it's an analyticals game nowadays, and Mike McDaniels is an analytics mastermind. Like You can tell just by the way he talks. He's a really, really smart guy. Um, 
really, really funny guy, real personable guy, and he's a guy that the team can really rally around. So, like you said, man, props to them. They made the right move right there. Absolutely. And that brings me into my underdog of the week, and I actually have um, – I'm going to go Titans, my, or plus five and a half at Philadelphia. So this is a bet I kind of made earlier this year um, when I took the Colts. Um, I think it was plus seven and a half against Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. And what I was preaching that entire time was that Philadelphia cannot stop the run. And uh, it just so happens that King Henry is coming to town. And if you can't stop the run, you have to face Derrick Henry, it can get pretty bad for you. And hold up. Um, you're trying to tell me they also have a pretty serviceable quarterback and Traylon Burks is back. And he looked really, really good um, last time I've seen him play. So, uh, yeah, man, I think this Titans team, man, like we mentioned earlier, this is always a really quiet, like, you know, six and two team at this point in the year or whatever the record is um i don't have it pulled up in front of me but i know they they always quietly put up um a really good record i'm sorry i'm getting it right now um seven and four team <laughs> and i feel like nobody really gives them much credit just because they're not the flashiest team whenever you play the titans you kind of know what their game plan is going to be they're going to run with derrick henry that's what they do and yep. luckily enough like i mentioned it max it matches up really well against this philadelphia team yeah i like this a lot this is one that i looked at um I like this Titans team. This is a team that I wasn't too familiar with, and I agree with you. They're super slept on. A team that's seven and four on the season, eight and three against the spread. Um, my first kind of notice for this Titans team was the Chiefs game, where they were in the game the entire time, played amazing defense, and really had an opportunity to win the game. And then you know Pat Mahomes did what Pat Mahomes does and came through at the end of the game and, and led a, a game-winning drive. But um, no, dude, this this Titans team is very, very good. And not to say the Eagles aren't. The Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFL, but you're right. The matchup is there, and uh, King Henry is King Henry. He's going to do what he does, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. Oh, I lost your audio, Jake. My fault. Am I back? Yep, you're here. Beautiful. Um, I was just saying that, you know, King Henry's going to put up 30 carries, 150 yards, two tuds. Like it's, he does it game in, game like weekend in, weekend out. That's just what he does. So You can't do anything about it. Um, What's your over of the week? Okay, so my over of the week, this is a game I'm looking at, and it, it all revolves around, you know, one guy, really, because if this guy doesn't play, that's when it gets a little bit worrisome. But I think it could still hit even if he doesn't play. And that is the Packers at Chicago Bears over 43 and a half. Um, this number to me is is very, very low. Um, just looking at what the Bears have been able to do with Justin Fields in the past couple weeks. I know last week was a little bit of a different game, you know, facing off against a, a Jets team um, without Justin Fields having Trevor Simeon back there. But man, they have been putting up a lot of points in games that Justin Fields has played in. I want to say it's been 25 plus like in Justin Fields last like four or five games. It just so happens that they're facing a defense that is also that is not very, very good with Green Bay. But, you know, Green Bay seemed like they found a little bit of a spark last week on the offensive side of the ball, playing a really close game with Philadelphia, putting up 33 points. Um, if they can do that on Philadelphia's defense, um, they'll be able to do it against Chicago's defense. And like I said, man, Chicago's de- our offense has been really rolling with fields recently. Uh, it seems like he's unstoppable right now, running the ball, definitely. And uh, he, he's become a more efficient passer. Did come out the Darnell Mooney's uh, out for the season, so that's a little bit of a notable thing right there. He's he he doesn't have the crazy counting stats this year that you would see, but he's still you know a serviceable wide receiver in the NFL, a guy that we looked at last year. You know, I want to believe I believe he was a thousand yard receiver last year, so he's definitely a big big loss for that uh, Bears offense. But still, man, 
that Bears offense is Justin Fields running the football. When they're putting up points, Justin Fields is running the football. That's how it works. And I expect him to be back doing that if he's playing this weekend. Yeah, that's a super low point total. Um, that It's a little bit different than what I did. I ended up taking the largest point total of the week. Um, I'm taking the over 52.5 in the Chiefs-Bengals game. Um, oh, a lot of points a lot of points in the nfl i know it but one key thing for me man this chiefs team is getting healthy uh this chiefs team does what they do man they put up 30 points a game they give up 22 um putting up over 440 yards of total offense a game patrick mahomes is throwing for 326 yards a game right now he's doing things that we've never seen before he's leading the league in passing yards by over 400 yards um He's also leading the league in touchdowns to 29. He is on pace for another MVP season. Is clearly the best quarterback in the NFL. But let's look at the guy on the other end, man. Joe Burrow, absolute stud. He is, I believe, third or fourth in the league in passing yards, just over 3,000. He's thrown for 23 tuds. This team is very, very good. Um, it sucks that Jamar Chase has gone through whatever injury he's gone through. I saw some things that said he could potentially play in this game. I don't know what his status is, but... Um, I would love to see him play here for my overpick, but you talk about this Chiefs team, man. In their last five games, they are 5-0. and They put up 44, 20, 27, 30, and 26 without a lot of their offensive weapons. They, they got Travis Kelsey, obviously, but they are getting back Juju in this game. They should be getting back Kadarius Toney. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been playing very, very good on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, Jarrett McKinnon should be coming back, who is their leading pass catcher out of the backfield because Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out right now on IR. So I think you give me a Chiefs team that's been putting up over 30 a game so far, and then you tell me that they're getting their key offensive weapons back um, against a Bengals team that we know can put up some points and also give up some points, I'll take the over. I know it's high, but but I'm riding it. And, and a, a big game right here, a rematch of the FC Championship last year, uh, Kansas City traveling to Cincinnati to play there, trying to, and get right from the disappointing uh, comeback loss that they that they blew last year in the in the playoffs to go to the Super Bowl. And um, I just think this game's got overwritten all over it. Yeah, I, I agree with you for sure, man. And it, it's so funny because we see so many comparisons out there of, uh, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes being that new Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type dynamic. Guys, y'all are forgetting one guy out there, and that guy is Joe Burrow. <laughs> I know Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are aliens, but if you were to give me the top three quarterbacks for the future of the NFL, that's your top three right there. Like. <laughs> those three guys are all different breeds they all are freaks of nature they could do whatever they they want to on a football field make any throw you have to ask them to make man and like you said a rematch of the afc championship both these quarterbacks want to outperform the other um expect some points to be scored in this game man this is not going to be a defensive game this is definitely going to be an offensive game well you talk about the tom brady peyton manning matchup and I, I saw a pretty interesting take from somebody the other day talking about that and how everyone's just ready to label this Patrick Mahomes-Josh Allen rivalry the next Tom Brady-Peyton Manning rivalry. And this guy was saying that he doesn't think it's, it's worthy of that yet because look at what Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were doing. Tom Brady was winning MVPs. He was leading the league in passing. He was winning Super Bowls. He was making all-pro teams, Pro Bowls. He was taking a team to the Super Bowl almost every single year and when he wasn't Peyton Manning was mm -hmm. Peyton Manning was winning the MVPs Peyton Manning was going to the Super Bowl he was playing for the rings and we look at Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is already a league MVP 
He's already won the Super Bowl. He's already a Super Bowl MVP. He's been to two Super Bowls in his time in, in the NFL. And Josh Allen hasn't done anything like that. No. And you look at a guy like you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, and I know Joe Burrow is a little bit younger in his career than the other two, but by a year, and he's already been to a Super Bowl. So if you're gonna chalk up the Tom Brady Peyton Manning rivalry, first of all, it's 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 too early. To do that, you can go ahead and give Patrick Mahomes the Tom Brady, uh, you know, totem from here on out. He's very deserving of that, of what he's been able to do um, stat-wise and win-loss-wise. But as far as who's the next Peyton Manning to rival him, I, I, man, it's a little bit too early to give that to Josh Allen outright, in my opinion. Yeah, Joe's in the lead right now, in my opinion. Josh Allen's a freak of nature. He's an animal, but the accolades aren't there just yet. Nope. Burrow came in last year at the Cincinnati team that was definitely less talented than a lot of the other teams they faced. I know that they, you know they have a lot of offensive weapons. They might have the best offensive weapon group in the NFL. But we look at defense. We look at you know offensive line. Uh, they they do lack in some places for sure. And Burrow won an absolute terror last year. He clutched up for his team. Where you know Allen, we're still waiting for it, man. Um, we're both Josh Allen fans, but uh. You know, man, that turnover bug just bites him too hard. It, it, it's kind of an aggravating to see, thing to see with him. He just, ah, we, we talked about it, you know, off air before. We love Josh Allen, man, but he just, he has a knack for trying to force things sometimes. and It doesn't really turn out well for him. Hey, breaking news right here on the podcast. The Rose Bowl has signed an agreement that will allow the college football playoff to expand to 12 teams starting in 2024. 2024? Yep. Nice. I, I I remember when it first came out, it was saying it was either going to be between 23. At earliest, it was 23. At latest, it was 25. So, or yep. no, maybe I think it might have been earliest 24. Latest was 26. Something like that. It definitely wasn't next year. So, it was not 23. But nice. Yeah. Very, Sooner very big news. Mm-hmm. Very, very big news in the college football world. We love um, it. All right. Last pick of the week. Let's talk about our unders. Um, I'll kick it off. Um. This is my favorite pick of the week. I'll go ahead and five-star this one for you. I'm taking the under 40-and-a-half Buccaneers at home against the Saints. Um, this is just, in my opinion, I saw this number, and I was like, huh, okay, let, it, let, me, uh, let me do a little research. Uh, under 40-and-a-half has gone under, or for, the under has gone in two of three in the last Tampa-New Orleans matchups. And the under 40-and-a-half has hit in 9 of 11 Buccaneers games this season. You talk about a Saints offense with Andy Dalton that has been struggling to move the football. They're coming off a 13-0 shutout against the Niners last week. This team has been struggling to put up points. And I don't see any reason to think that they're going to go over the 40-and-a-half against a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that has also been struggling. This team's been struggling to get healthy. Tom Brady has been throwing the football 50 times a game for 300 yards and one touchdown. Like they just, they've been moving the football but not able to get it into the end zone. I think this game screams under. And when I see the trends, man, I'm on it. 40 and a half, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I love that a lot. Um, Tampa Bay has, is, has the 27th ranked scoring offense in the NFL. Um, the Saints are at 17th, but like you mentioned, they have been, you know, falling off a cliff a little bit recently. They were a pretty, you know, hot offensive team to start the year, and uh, that that is not holding true. Look at the defensive side of the ball, man. Um, Tampa Bay does run out a pretty good defense. Like they 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 play solid defense. They're seventh in the NFL in defensive points allowed, which is you know definitely really really good. And a Saints team that you know 
on the other end of the spectrum that is not very good on the defensive side of the ball. But man, something about Tampa this year, dog. I don't know how to say it, but it just seems like they can't find that offense. No matter who that opponent is, outside of the Falcons, besides early on in the season, um, they haven't really been able to get rolling on offense. So I, I agree with you. Um, I, I like that number a lot. So weird because they move the football. Like, they're fifth in the NFL in passing yards per game, and you just mentioned it, 27th in scoring. Like, they just can't put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, I know, I know they've also been able to have some some question marks at the running back position. I know Lenny wasn't really his hottest yet, but they had that new kid back there um, on my fantasy team. Don't know what the hell his name is. Sorry about it, bud. But uh, Rashad White or something? Yeah, yeah, something white. But uh, yeah, he's back there now, and he, he had a really good game last week. So maybe he might come out and run all over the place for him because he's starting this week for me. Yeah, and I can definitely see the the fact of Tampa being able to move the football into scoring position but not score because I've got Ryan suck up on my fantasy team and the dude is producing. Producing, you can't beat it. So where we at? We're at unders, last pick. Under? Last pick. All right, I'm also going to keep this in the NFC South. I'm going to go with our Falcons right here. I'm going to talk about Steelers at Falcons. Um, I'm going to go under the 42.5. And, a half. and um, don't get me wrong, the Steelers have been playing better ball recently. But... Man, I just don't know how dynamic they really are just yet. Kenny Pickett has been putting up good numbers. Not great numbers, good numbers. He's, he's, he's playing serviceable football recently. But we look at a Falcons team that might not have the best defense in the world. Definitely bottom tier in the NFL. But one thing the Falcons are pretty good at is forcing turnovers. The Falcons have a net for creating turnovers. That's just something about this Falcons defense. We have some guys that like to hawk after the ball. And, man, Kenny Pickett hasn't thrown an interception in like two weeks. It's destined to happen. See some interceptions in this game. See some slow, uh, slow offenses. Um, didn't want to mention the Steelers have one of the worst passing defenses in football, but have one of the best rushing defenses in football. And if you watch the Falcons play, you know what our offense is. Our offense is running the damn ball. And if you're facing a defense that happens to be very good, yep, what Kitty Hat said, run the damn ball. Um, if your defense happens to be very, very good at what you know the offense is very, very good at, um, you could turn out to be a pretty low-scoring thing right there. And we know the Falcons don't throw the ball. Um, without Kyle Pitts right now, Drake London's and, you know, a lot of days, Zacchaeus are really the only two serviceable guys out there with the possibility of catching the ball, besides, you know, Cordero Patterson in the backfield. Um, I, I just expect this game to be a low score, man. Um, it, it's kind of hard to explain because the Steelers have been kind of rolling on offense recently, and the Falcons' defense is so bad. But like I said, just the turnover margin that we see, um, I, I could expect some interceptions from Kenny Pickett to kind of keep this thing to. That's it for me. I'm done. I'm done rambling. No, man, I, I, I like that pick a lot. And uh, this is something that we talked about a little bit. Um, and we talk about the Falcons all the time. But, man, look at how these teams stack up, man. The Steelers are averaging under 18 points a game. The Falcons under 23. And the defenses... Um, you know, say what you want to about the defenses. Obviously, the Steelers can stop the run, and the Falcons love to run the football. You already said that, and that rings true. I mean, this Steelers defense has given up just over 100 rushing yards a game, and they are very susceptible to the pass. And, um, you know, the Falcons, when we have thrown the ball, have been able to move it through the air. Um, you talk about Kyle Pitts going out for the season. But the, the, the biggest thing for me is that the Falcons just have this unwillingness to let it ride. They will not throw the football. Even when they get down, even when it feels like they need to, they don't. And I just, I agree with you, Jake. I don't see a reason for me to believe that in a game where it looks like 
the clear path to winning is to throw the football often and early. I just I, I don't see a reason to believe that we're going to do that. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We have faced, you know, multiple teams this year with uh very, very good, you know, um rushing defenses. One of them was last last week against uh Washington. Washington has a great rushing defense. Um we saw them limit who did Washington limited some really, really good running back to absolutely nothing. Um about to pull it up. Oh my gosh, maybe click through all this stuff. One second, Kenny. Um Damian Pierce, just two weeks ago we saw Washington limit Damian Pierce to uh ten carries for eight yards. And yeah. we came out there last week and tried to run the ball on him. We scored thirteen points. I'll tell you this right now. More often than not, thirteen points is not going to win you very many football games in the NFL. I will but say it will hit the under. It will hit the under. So uh, I I'm riding with it, man. Um it, it's going to be fun. We see that George Pickens. We see that uh, George Pickens, Kitty, Kenny Pickett connection happen. Good thing is that we mentioned one good thing about this Falcons defense. Um, outside of Grady Jarrett, it is A.J. Terrell. And if they can shadow A.J. Terrell on George Pickens, I think that's one way you can limit that offense a significant amount. Because uh, right now, it doesn't really seem like – it seems like that's their way of moving the ball. Yeah, man. I think that, that Kenny Pickett, George Pickett's connection is there. It's it's really exciting to see, especially for a Georgia fan, because we know how dominant George Pickens is, and he's a guy that was super slept on in the draft just because he didn't play that much in college. Anytime he did, he made crazy plays, like Julio Jones-type plays, and we were yeah. like, dude, this dude is a freak, and he has not disappointed in the NFL so far. And that was one thing about Mitch early on is Mitch just wasn't getting him the ball or giving him the opportunity. Boy, Kenny Pickett will let that thing go. Yeah, and like I mentioned, we have two safeties back there, Jalen Hawkins and uh, what a I I I'm off one tonight, man. Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant. There we go. Found the names. Um, yeah. found the names. Of my head guys. I did not look that up. Just you know, hands are right here. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant, two guys that you know kind of have a knack for getting to the ball. Guys that can make plays on the ball. Um, I, I definitely see some interceptions happening this game. Well, I love it, Jake. I think we got a bona fide eight no week coming up. Hey, man, we we tried to call it last week. We said we we're going to go undefeated. Definitely did not happen. Worst week we've had so far. Um, this week it's a, it's a bounce back week. Um, it might be a harder one with us betting on college football on on co conference championship games. Those are always pretty tough to predict. But uh, yeah, we're rolling right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's game time. It's ready to get right, boys. It's time to get postseason football this is when we start heating up this is when we start pulling away on the wins and losses and making some really really good money yes yes we're about to get rambling for sure um before we get out of here i do want to give a shout out if you want a big hat go call brian robinson's friend his friend makes big hats yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty, awesome <laughs> they're they're pretty cool man <laughs> I just I pulled up the Falcons I pulled up the Falcons thing and it showed a picture of Brad Robinson in the big hat and I was like oh yeah that's pretty dope. <laughs> Give they me said, a big hat. They said Brian why you got why your hat big? He said, oh I got a friend that makes big hats trying to show some support. You want if you want a big hat let me know. I have to text oh, yeah. Brian Robinson. Great Christmas gift. I'm a big Braves hat. Yeah, give me a big Santa hat. <laughs> what? Let's go. <laughs> Oh man! But before we get to going too crazy, Kenny, I'm gonna go ahead and say my say my closing remarks, and I'll pass the torch to you. Um, you know, we say it every episode, but you can never preach it enough. Thank you guys so much for listening and giving the support you do. Um, if you listen to us on the YouTube side of things or watching us right now, um, check us out Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can catch back up. If you miss any episodes, you can go back and listen to them. 
Um, listen to us on the podcast side of things. You just heard it, man. We're live on YouTube. Um, usually do it about Tuesdays and Wednesdays every week, um, 9 p.m. Eastern time, most of the time. Sometimes we might miss a day every once in a while. Sorry about that. Turn noties on. You'll be able to know whenever we go live, whenever we don't go That's live. Right. That's the easiest way to do things. Um, yeah, just thank y'all so much. It's been a beautiful thing. And next time we'll talk to y'all, uh, Georgia will be SEC champions. So go dogs. That's right. Go dogs, baby. Be sure to hop in here in the YouTube beforehand, man, like our boy Austin did for the first time yesterday. Came in there, showed some support, interacted with us a little bit. We love to read through the chat, give you guys some some little bit better insight. So if you got any questions or anything, be sure to hop on the Twitter or hop in the YouTube uh, beforehand and, and get in here and let's interact a little bit. We appreciate all y'all for listening. Oh, yeah, Kenny. Well, thank you guys so much. See y'all next time.